1: from NJ Advance Media, and welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. I'm joined as always, James Cratch, Keith Sargent. A bye week, guys, a Saturday off. It was like, I mean, I didn't know what to do with myself. (laughs) Of course, I I just watched bad football that did not involve Rutgers. I'm sure you guys did the same. Did you enjoy your weekend off?
0: We did. We did. But um, I did. I did. You know, there's never a weekend off, as you know. I mean, we're, you know, we, we, you know what, Andy Boo uh today during his press conference said, you know, he mentioned the word chopping. So, uh, you know, in, in honor of that, I, I think I'll just say that we kept on chopping this weekend.
1: We kept on chopping. It's fair. Absolutely. All right. I'm sure you guys did what I did during the weekend, which was watch a lot of games around the country. And this is my, my main takeaway from the weekend. It's that if this Rutgers team was where it's supposed to be in its development in year <laughs> four under Chris Ash, We'd be—I mean, we'd be talking about uh, holiday plans, right? I mean, if you looked at look at some of these games, I mean, BC <laughs> steamrolled by Kansas; it was incredible. Maryland loses to a, a Temple team. Illinois goes down to Eastern Michigan. I mean, it, it, Indiana looks terrible. It, even, Miss, even Michigan State and Penn State don't look great. I mean, you know, it, 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 was your takeaway the same as mine, Kratz? That that this Rutgers schedule isn't nearly what we thought it was, might be at the beginning of the year.
2: Yes, but, I mean, I felt this way even last year. I mean, I've said it several times on the podcast. 12 games last year, Rutgers goes 1-11. and Only in three of those games, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, did I ever feel like the the opposing team had this massive, you know, talent advantage. And even the Penn State game was relatively close because McSoy was injured. So the Big Ten's not that good. It has a very soft middle. And maybe this year the the soft middle is is larger than it has been in past years. Yeah. this is the schedule is built for Rutgers to go at least six and six and go to a bowl game every year as long as they put a competent team on the field. Right. They just haven't done that. Yeah.
1: recently. And that's got to be the frustrating thing, too, Sarge. And, and it's especially you know when you look at what this team has to accomplish, or you think it would have to accomplish in year four to have it there. You know, I mean, it's right in front of your fan. Yeah, and I mean, it's the be, reason why I said be five and seven
0: out. at the beginning of the year, and people laughed at me, and you know. Like Crass said, I mean, I, I I will say I don't know if it's every year that the Big Ten is is this soft. I think this year is especially soft. Um, even at top, I mean, Ohio State is head and shoulders above everyone else. Michigan look, looks beatable, maybe not by Rutgers, but I don't know if they're a, a top ten team right now. Penn State got to give them credit; all they do is win. I, I I think I went back to the the beginning of the 2015 season. They really not have they don't have a head scratching loss since the the start of the 2015 season. So, um, you know, with the exception of those three teams, I think, you know, the Big Ten is incredibly soft. I found it fascinating that Boston College, the opponent this week, lost to Kansas, which, you know, of course beat Rutgers a year ago, and Illinois, a future opponent, Um, Lost to Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan obviously beat Rutgers two years ago, so you know it's just again perception is 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 everything. You know, these there are some games that are winnable, certainly you know in October, you know, and and this week too, as as I'm sure we're we're about to talk about.
1: Yeah, I I, I tell you, I don't know what the problem is out in Kansas. Every time I've watched them, they are really good. (laughs) That's all I can tell you. They were running circles around PC. It was incredible, and and let's talk about that game because it feels like. Uh, the worst case scenario for Chris Ash, if, you, if you're Chris Ash, you'd rather have them win that game by 24, come here, maybe a little overconfident, maybe you know this is their the, the week they they don't play well. Well, instead, you know they have their clunker at home. You know now you've got a situation where Steve Adazio needs this win as much as Chris Ash does. You know it's just a just kind of flips the uh, flips the narrative a little bit. But I will say this, Cratch, I mean they're not good. <laughs>
2: No, no, they're they're not good. I mean, they're the ACC is horrible this year, and they're probably a second, third-tier team in the ACC. But you're right, like, and this is not a conference game for them, obviously. So they were able to kind of get that bad loss out of their system, kind of refocus themselves. You know, they still have something to play for, even with the loss to Kansas. And I'm intrigued to see this. You now, look, we were at Kansas last year, and the sky fell. Yeah does the sky fall on BC now going forward because it's similar setup I
0: mean BC probably looks at Rutgers and says well this is like playing Buffalo you know what Steve they kind of remind me of Rutgers late in the Seattle era you know the the type of team that will go you know seven and five eight and five you know go to a bowl game every year um maybe even win their bowl game Boston College goes to a bowl game every year but they're just you know they're still not an upper echelon team that's going to contend for an ACC title um you know kind of like Rutgers was. Late in the Eastiano era, where you could bank on them going to a bowl game, but you know, win the Big East was a was a different story.
1: Right, right. And the, the problem I still have, though, guys, and it's you know, watching that game, I'm I'm pretty certain that Boston College is going to score points against Rutgers. I just can't, you know, I can't say the same thing about you know, that's the issue. Points, that's the issue, right? I mean, you know, you were at the press conference today. It sounds like McLean Carter. Uh, is is going to be ready to play? I mean, what's your sense on that? Does it make, does it make a difference if he does? I mean, what's going on, Chris, with the quarterback situation?
2: It's kind of tough to read because, on one hand, if he doesn't practice on Tuesday, you would think that he's probably not going to play. Mm-hmm. Even though Chris Ash said, "Well, you know, he could still play," just because my experience is like if a guy's not practicing at this point, or even on Wednesday. He's probably not going to play. I mean, that's the way concussions work nowadays. But at the same time, Ash kind of threw out the idea that even if Carter is cleared, he's going to have missed a lot of practice. Maybe he wouldn't start. Now, I don't know if that's Ash's – that's the way he's looking at it, that even if Carter gets cleared, if he hasn't had a sufficient amount of work and practice, they're going to go with Art. I also don't know if Ash is trying to play the quarterback game again with Boston College. Not that the Eagles really care all that much. So – you know, Steve Adazio. I think in his um, in his a transcript of his press conference, basically said like, I haven't even looked at like their offense yet. Mm. You know, like that's later in the week. I'll start to worry about that. So, but my guess right now is I would think that Carter's a long shot to start, just because we haven't seen him practice yet. He's still in concussion protocol, and even if he does get cleared, he hasn't had a lot of work. I think you're going to see Art, and honestly. I think it's kind of fitting if Art gets a start because this is a critical, you know, fork in the road moment for Chris Ash and the program. I mean, shouldn't Art be the starter in that game? Doesn't it kind of isn't it kind of kismet that it would bounce back to Art for this crucial, you know, kind of do or die game for
1: Ash? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I just don't know that that most fans would 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 want to see him trot out there just based on recent recent performances. I mean, Sarge, what's your sense? Do you, do you think that the offense is going to be the same regardless who starts? Or I mean, it seems like just based on what we see. Yeah, we talked to John McClane. Carter. At least has a higher he upside.
0: Uh, just sounded of the opinion that you're not going to just throw away the, the UMass performance, you know, based on a half at Iowa. You know, the conditions. I mean, he, he you know, didn't make any excuses. McLean Carter was not very good against Iowa. Uh, against Iowa, but you know, that being said. You know, he still shows some really, really good things, you know, in the opener, granted against a, you know, uh, pretty crappy defense, but. You know they're back at home. They, they, you know, they should have some uh, home flavor. Maybe uh, if McLean Carter is healthy, maybe you know he, he, you know, he benefits from that. You know, let's be honest. I mean, we, we, you know, we have not seen a quarterback performance, you know, since McLean Carter. Um, you know, in in, in the opener, uh, Arsakowski has some opportunities uh, last year against uh, you know so-so opponents. Never uh, delivered that type of perfor- performance. If McLean Carter is healthy, he's going to be the guy. It's just a matter of whether or not he gets cleared in time.
1: I have to give you credit, uh, Kratz, because you asked the question at the press conference that that that's just been gnawing at me about the eight eight games with fifty or less passing yards in Ash's three seasons, which is still incredible that that's that Uh I didn't necessarily like his answer. I mean, he, he chalked it up to execution. I mean, what what did you think when when you know when you asked him and his his reply to you?
2: I mean, when you've had eight games, when you've coached 38 games, and 14 of them your team has failed to throw for 100 yards, and eight of them has failed to throw for 50, you've had, by my count, three offensive coordinators and five different starting quarterbacks. And Jonathan Lewis, I don't think he didn't start a game, but he played a significant amount in a lot of those games. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, it's like, well, like why can't you get this fixed?
1: what's the common you know, denominator it's, like, it's you right?
2: no i mean like you know it, it's just like you know like it it's it's recruit i mean it's everything i just yeah. think it's like a complete failing top to bottom of an offense like you change the scheme you don't recruit well you know you you don't develop a quarterback you, it's it all kind of stacks up and i think at the end of the day it's just like as i wrote you're basically you and the triple-option teams, and at least they're getting something out of not throwing. They're, they're not trying to throw the ball. You are, which makes it even worse.
1: <laughs> can, can it be different this week, though, Sarge? I mean, you got to figure they got to figure that you just get, yeah. gonna, you're just you're going to count on Blackshear and Pacheco to run the ball. I mean, it, I, I don't know. That defense was so bad against. Kansas, I mean, just literally, like some guys, Kansas guys just running all over the field. So I'll say two you, you things about think that. that they, I'll say two things about I don't know.
0: that. One, Can you they? Know, and we press John McNulty about that, and Chris Ash. You know, the the game plan is going to have to be predicated on Blackshear and Pacheco. I mean, there's just no 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 doubt about it. In in the opener, they yes. both got the ball twenty one times apiece, piece, and it, not necessarily all run plays, but you know, plays in the flat. You know, they they're both util, utilized in a passing game as well. Those guys have to be the, you know, if if you're making a a pie chart, they're going to get probably two-thirds of of the offensive touches. Now, Boston College, you know, you you have to think, and we saw it all last year, you know, that that teams are going to stack eight, nine, ten guys, you know, in, in in the box daring Rutgers to pass the ball. Can they do it? You know, I mean, you know, you, we saw defenses, you know, daring Rutgers to pass the ball a year ago, and Rutgers just couldn't do it. It's going to be – it's going to depend on that if, you know, if they can, you know, keep them honest. But, I mean, this is going to be a, 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 a game plan, I would think, that's going to be predicated on, on the run. It, ha- it has to be. All
1: right. All right. Let's dive into true or false. You guys know the rules. Answer true or false to these questions. We'll get back to them at the end and discuss a few of the topics. True or false? Put Boston College quarterback Anthony Brown on this Rutgers team, and it goes to a bowl. True or false? Cratch? Wow. Um, False. Okay, Sarge? True. (laughs) All right. Okay. True or false? Bo Melton will have a breakthrough performance against this bad BC defense. Cratch, true or false? False. 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 Sarge? False? False. Okay, true or false, the bye will give Chris Ash time to make several personnel changes before the Boston College game. True or false? True. Uh, False. Sarge? Wow, okay. True or false, BC is bad on defense. Rutgers needs to break out some trick plays. Cratch, true or false?
0: True.
1: False. All right, Sarge? <clears throat> true or false, the Big Ten is not going to get a team in the playoff. Cratch. True. True. Wow. Okay. Sorry. True or false. Rutgers should play Boston College every single year. Cratch. True. False. Alright, sorry. <laughs> true or false. Rutgers is a soccer school. Cratch! <laughs>
2: True. true, undefeated. Both teams likely going to be true. ranked on Tuesday oh, morning. so
1: exciting. Sarge. All right. And finally, true or false, the RWJ Barnabas Center is so awesome. I'm going to become a gymnast. I've seen
0: you, uh, your true athleticism. I'm going to true. say false on that basis alone. But as far as it being awesome, 100% true. <laughs>
1: And it was—it's great. I gotta describe. Well, all right, so we'll cover all this. Let's start there because I don't think fans really could appreciate what it was like walking into this building on you know on uh, Thursday and just so used to things, you know, not being at the level. The, 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 the best level. You know what I'm saying? It's, and I don't, I'm not taking a shot at anybody in particular. I've just covered Rutgers for 20 years. You're just kind of used to like, all right, well, look in the corner. There'd be something something not quite right. Just not. I mean, this building is just fantastic. And what blew me away was, <laughs> and I know no one cares about gymnastics, but I mean, this room that this g- gymnastics team has now that didn't even have a place to put their leotards and didn't have a locker room at all. It's just, I mean, it's just remarkable. It's just the best facility in the country for a team that literally had nothing. So I don't know what you guys. Your so I have to say this, okay, because building, I, I toured
0: not. the Iowa uh, um, football facility with, with Steve Politti and folks, I'm going to give you a little uh, you know, glimpse behind the, the curtain, so to speak. Steve Politti walked out saying, you know what, whatever the record is, uh, he goes, there's no way it's going to be nicer than this and you know there there you know all, all the Rutgers of people are going to be ticked off but you know i'm i'm going to write that that you basically went in thinking that you know okay well this is nice but you know it's not Iowa and uh, you know right. i think we everyone uh, saw by the tone of your column i mean you you were genuinely like just you know, you, you changed your tone right
1: Blown away. Absolutely. And, and I, I what I was going to write that they, they, they have, all right, great. They did this, but they need to, well, you know, they need to keep building. Handy. They definitely need, you know, the field house, they need the other things too. Yeah. But you're out, no, you're right. That, that I was truly, I went from, so like, oh, and I and, they and here here's to, the thing, though, about that, because the, <laughs> the is... Iowa,
0: you know, that was their football uh, uh, facility. We didn't see their basketball or anything else. That was just their football facility. And if you're looking at Rutgers facility, I mean, hell, guys, I mean, the air conditioning you, uh, was not working during today's press conference. I mean, and I asked Chris at the end uh, <laughs> uh, of his presser, you know, what do you need? And he basically said that, you know, we'll, we'll have a story on the site later so you can read the, uh, the quotes. But he basically said, you know, that, you know, that. The Hale Center doesn't have that sex appeal. You know, come a year from now, when they build the academic facility, the Rodkin Center, they're going to move out their, their current academic stuff inside the Hale Center so they'll have more space. They'll be able to, uh, you know, add, add a couple, you know, bells and whistles, so to speak. But right now, I mean, the, for as great as the RWJ Barnabas, that solves the issue for basketball, men's and women's basketball, wrestling, and gymnastics. That's only four programs. Football, you know, is going to be the one that you need to get right. That's going to be the one that's going to hopefully down the line, you know, in the best-case scenario, drive the revenue. You know, they still need to address that, namely a field house, but also the Hale Center, giving it more of the wow factor. The locker rooms are great, but beyond that, the Hale Center is, you know, probably ranks near the bottom of the Big Ten as far as facilities.
1: Oh, absolutely. No, no question.
0: I'll say this. Um, at the very end of the
2: night, as I was leaving, uh, a prominent person Rutgers Athletics, not going to name them, t- goes to me. He goes, This doesn't really feel like a place that we would have, does it? Like, this doesn't feel like Rutgers. Yeah. Um, it, it's a tremendous facility. I, I called it a Death Star on Twitter. I was blown away. Um, this, no, you know, obviously no expensing to be spared. Everything was done first class um and what i liked about it was you know someone made the comment like oh like you know you don't kids don't even have to go home like they can just live here basically
1: yeah
2: and i know what the what the what the meaning of that is but like i also think that's a problem in college sports that like you build these gigantic facilities and it's almost like you don't ever want the players to leave and, but like what i liked about this thing was it's big and it's it's grandiose, but it's still kind of centered on Livingston Campus, and it's got all the natural light, and you can see the campus, and it just feels like it's part of the campus. I think that it's not going to become just some like kind of castle that the four programs go into and they and, they, and they never leave it. Right. You know, like I think it's it's going to still be part of a college experience, which I think is something that like you see like Clemson they build this like Death Star football facility, and I like LSU we all saw the photos like. You can sleep in your locker. It's like that's not, that's of not the best thing in the world you can just sleep in your locker and never go to your dorm and never be a normal college kid. But I feel like this facility being so kind of tied into the campus will allow that. Um, it's a tremendous facility. Uh, no, no bones about it. I think Sarge is right. It doesn't. The Hale Center does not have the sex appeal that the APC does. Um, but at the same time too, I think some of that stuff's a little bit overrated. You know, Rutgers football has gotten everything better than it's ever been under Chris Ash. So I don't think that you can sit there and say, well, you know, the health center is kind of musty and it doesn't have air conditioning right now. Like that's the reason why the team stinks. Like that's not right. the case. I think that some of these programs like gymnastics had nothing. And what can you expect from her coach when she doesn't have a locker room?
1: That's absolutely true.
2: But, if you just have things that are bottom of the line but they are giving you what you need i think at that point you obviously want to upgrade them you have to as you move forward as an athletic department as a football program but it the facilities can't be an excuse
1: for football No, it period. can't be and but you know, but it is to that point and sarge is right i mean you, they're going to have to address that that's the next thing on the list you can't you can't have a deflatable bubble and i was got like the amazon the amazon distribution warehouse <laughs> for you know he's got just these are the teams you are recruiting so that's going to be <laughs> That's going to be next up. All right, what else do we talk about in the true or false? So you you think, you think, sorry, is that I Anthony mean, Brown I, and his Rutgers? I mean, I said simple. they were going to be
0: five and seven at the beginning of the year. And, you know, the thing that's held them back in the last three years has been quarterback play. Anthony Brown is a legit right. quarterback. I mean, he is yeah. a guy who would start for Rutgers. He would have started last year. He would start now. Um, their quarterback play has been, you know, abysmal. Um
1: yeah, he's not Kyler Murray though. I mean, look I've looked that game against Kansas. He, I mean, yeah, he's not perfect. He's inaccurate at times. Uh, he's you know. not
0: Kyler Murray. Uh, mm-hmm. Not many are. Um, it, I mean, you you watched. I've I, I watched a lot of Boston College. Um, I mean, you, he would start, right? I mean, he would start at Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah, I oh, think yeah. he runs this system well. Absolutely. I mean, There's I think, no you know, we, you know yeah. what we see from Boston College is that you would like to play up tempo. I think he, you know, he, he is a good fit for, for that system. Is he a guy who's going to play on Sundays? Probably not. But I think at Rutgers, I think he'd make a world of difference.
1: Right, right. Uh, all right, what else do we talk about? So, you don't, so this is interesting. I thought that the bye would give some time for personnel changes. Cratch, you think what we've seen is what we're going to get here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've more said that as I don't necessarily know that they're going to make mm-hmm. any changes. Yeah. You know, I yeah. asked about Malik Dixon and Andy Booth shut that down yeah. immediately.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, which you know, but I just kind of look at the, the the hot points. Like, they, there's nothing. Not the tight end; they, they've been pleased with what Matt Alimo has done, but they've got no. You know, Pennison's not going to be back. They've got no bodies at tight end. You know, they've done the mixing and matching with the offensive line. Like those guys are who they are. I mean. I guess you maybe you could start Lonsdorf over Rayquan O'Neal, but I don't think that any of the five starting offensive linemen have played poorly enough that they need to make mm-hmm. a change. You know, the wide receivers are what they are, and you go on defense. I mean, they already have a linebacker rotation. They're playing every defensive lineman they have. They're just not producing up front. And the secondary, I mean, those are the guys that they're cycling everybody in to begin with. So yeah, I just don't see what position changes could be coming.
1: All right. Good observations. And uh, let's get, let's do 30 seconds on soccer. Six and oh, six and oh, is that what it is? New coach for the men's team. Um, Mike O'Neill, obviously one of the three best, uh, most of the best coaches. In yeah, I mean, the men's right and the right the team now, is 5-0. So and,
0: and, and, you know, coming off back-to-back four-win seasons, I mean, it's, it's a tremendous job by Jim McKeldry so far. You know, I did a, you know, I spent a day with him uh, this summer and just talking to some of the guys on the team, you could just tell. tell and, you know, this is no, it's just, sometimes a coaching change is needed, a uh, new voice, and you could tell that the players were, had, had you know, had a lot of enthusiasm to play for, for this guy. Uh, all their games have been, you know, close, which, you know, most soccer Games are, but you know they've been winning the games that that are close, which they haven't done the last couple of years. They haven't played a Big Ten game yet, so you preface it with that. But you know, I talked to uh, McElroy the other day; he seems pretty confident that you know that that they're you know that th- this is no fluke, and uh, you know we'll see. I mean, I, you know, it will be interesting. You know, once again, the Big Ten play September 21st against Michigan at Michigan um, is is the first one, um, so you know it'll be interesting to see whether or not they can they can keep, keep it up.
1: All right. We ready for some questions from Project Text. You guys, you of guys course. don't know this yet. NJ.com slash text. It's our, it's our system. It's our great new thing where we can communicate directly with you and tell you what's going on before anybody else knows it. And also we ask you each week to give us some questions. And I got to be honest with you, the texters are getting, they're getting frisky and funny. I, we've got some funny ones this week, like someone texted in to say, question, do you think Daniel Jones gets to start at quarterback for Rutgers? On Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and because of where my head is, I read it and said, oh, wait a minute, what? <laughs> There's a, like a like a, like a two second pause of, that's a great idea. They, why why wouldn't they do that? Oh, that's right, because he's on the job. Uh, that was one good. And here's another one another question I loved. Give credit to whoever sent it in. How many words would Politi's column be if Chris Ash pulled what Narduzzi did, kicking a field goal from the one down seven with five minutes to play? <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, this is the Pitt, Pitt-Penn State game. And my answer to that was, there'd be no column, my head would have exploded. It would just they'd be all over the press box. Cratch would be cleaning it up off his laptop. And that would be the end of my career if Chris Ash did. That was incredible. I mean, that really was. Were you guys watching that game? I,
0: I watched it, and, and, and his excuse afterward was, afterwards not was, I on, was no. incredible. They, yeah. they, they needed two scores to win. But, dummy, oh. yeah, yeah, you needed
1: one score to tie the game to get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> Go to tie. Yes, you of need course. A touchdown. Oh, my God. It was, yeah, it was not a good – if you were making a list of coaches that would theoretically be on a short list of people to talk to for if uh, if and the move happens with Chris Ash. And statistically, Ardugy, statistically one of them, they, I saw a, a stat. Weekday. I think
0: 70% of the time on on fourth and one from the goal line, you score touchdowns. So, I mean, it, it, it just from a pure statistical standpoint, right. it made no sense. It's just dumb.
1: Yep. All right. Here's another good question. I'm curious for your thoughts to see how Rutgers defense matches up with Dylan in the BC run game. If I'm BC, he's getting the ball over 50% of their their offensive plays. Cratch, I think 50% might be conservative based on what I've seen. What do you think?
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think it's a bad matchup for Rutgers just because we've all seen the big runs that, other opponents have broken off since dating back to last year. We saw it against UMass. We saw it a little bit against Iowa. I just think when you when you have a good running back, it's bad news for Rutgers. And I would not shock me if AJ Dillon has one of those games where he, he breaks off a couple of thirty, forty yard runs, and then we go back to next week and like why these ha- runs happen and then they you know, you know bad run fits, gap integrity, whatever. But no matter what the explanations are, it's a common recurring theme that Rutgers has dealt with over the last you know season in two games, and I think it's a bad matchup. I think that if you're BC, you ride Dylan in this uh, game. On the
1: other side of it, Sarge, question, how does Rutgers plan to get Pacheco and Blackshear back into the game plan? Wildly successful versus UMass, but virtually absent. Versus Iowa. Well, I mean, so, yeah, so here's the thing, the and thing, I did right? ask Trump well, do Mildi,
0: do? You know th- th- that question, and he did make a good point that you know, especially in, in the past game, you know, Blackshear had a, had an opportunity with a pass over the middle. I think Pacheco had a couple as well, and they just didn't hit on him. So, I mean, th- you know, the, the number I think it was six for um, right. Pacheco, seven for Blackshear, thirteen total uh, combined. You know, targets. Um, you know, they, that goes up if they hit a couple of those. So. um There's no question. Again, um, you know, if you just look at the Kansas game, there there should be opportunities to run the ball. Uh, Those guys are, are, you know, clearly the head and shoulders, the two best guys on the offense. Um, How are they going to get, you know, use them? You know, I I, I think they're just going to try to keep it simple. They're going to try to pound the ball and establish a run and, and, you know, see whether or not they can have an advantage early on in the game.
1: Right. And, and this is another, this is another good one. It goes back to Ash's coaching. And, uh, Ash, will Ash finally watch an opponent on film and make adjustments to exploit their tendencies or just sit in a gap scheme on the, uh, on the DL? I think on defense, I think what he's talking about is, I mean, very simply, you know, Ash has had now a week to prepare for this. He, he, he you know, he's facing a, a good offense. I mean, is, is this the game finally where, all right, the head coach, does something that when it's over, you watch it and you go, hey, that was a great game plan by Chris Ash. Are we going to see that crash? Is this this an opportunity for him to be a coach?
2: No, definitely. I mean, look, I think this is, like we've said, it's the biggest game he's coached at Rutgers. He's got an open week to prepare. He's got two weeks to prepare. This should be his masterpiece. Like Rutgers needs Ash on defense to roll out, you know, a five-act masterpiece. Because on offense, you don't know what you're getting, you know. so You might have a great game. You might have what you had against Iowa, you know. I mean, if I'm Ash, I look at this game and say, I have to find a way to hold BC to 14 points or less. Because that's might be the only way I can guarantee we have a chance to wow, win the game.
1: That, that's a you should, that's a mean, tough ask. It's, <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I mean, when, when you go get shut out by Iowa, I mean, when, when was the last time they scored 20 points against a... Uh, like a real um, team
0: <laughs> against a real uh, team.
1: <laughs> I don't, hang on, hang on. I got, I, <laughs> I, I got know, the, media I mean, guy here. In 1888, they played Yale. Well no, that was a loss. Like
2: it's unfortunate, yeah. but like you know, yeah. Like you might have to win. Like the only way you win know. this game might be 14-13. Like you might. That's not easy to go into a game, especially against a team that has Anthony Brown and AJ Dillon, and say that, but. Uh, the you the, look at the answer, that by the way, I mean, is November fourth, twenty
0: seventeen, against Maryland. Honestly, 24 was last time, but no, not not last year. I mean, you know, if you're being, they scored seventeen against Wisconsin, and you'd have to. Okay, uh, yeah, some of those are garbage time. Yeah, no. Yep.
2: And now, and what, and and like one of those garbage times. So, like, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah,
2: you might have to. Ash might have to hold BC to fourteen points. To have no, a chance no,
1: to win I got a one. November first, eighteen ninety. They beat the Crescent Athletic Club sixty-eight nothing. Woo! What I mean imagine. absolute a disgrace that that Crescent Athletic Club is uh certainly
2: But to but to answer but to answer the question, I tend to believe it year four, Chris Ash's defense is what it is, and people who are expecting to wake show up to the ballpark one Saturday afternoon and you know I Everybody's mean, James, blitzing and the whole kitchen sinks being thrown in the backfield. But, yo, the, the, I don't the, see the that happening.
0: Game, I do remember that, This needs time. to be a game plan. Game, bishop for Heisman. Remember when you said that? <laughs> and and oh, that was that was a memorable one. But in the following week, they lost seventy to nothing yeah. to, to Yale, and then you tried to fire yeah, the coach. Remember? Ah. Oh.
1: Oh. I, uh, yeah, it was terrible. Those, yeah, those were the days. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, that's right. Project test questions. Uh, all right. <laughs> the final question uh, would be interested to know whether Sarge's calculus has shifted. <laughs> I didn't know you had a calculus, much less that it could shift. In light of that terrible BC performance versus Kansas, I, a perfect transition into predictions. Sarge, before the season, you picked the Scarlet Knights to beat Boston College, much to our uh, amazement on this very podcast.
0: I failed calculus, there you go.
1: by the well, way. Give us, give us your best thought. Me. Is it like going to happen? Two tries,
0: I think. Um, yeah, I'm sticking with <laughs> Rutgers. 24-21 um, Rutgers. You know, a late uh, Davidowitz wow. field goal. Um, I think it'll be close. Um, you know, if anything, the, the, the Kansas game kind of backed it up. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for, for Rutgers to, to, to move the ball. Um yeah, I think you're going to try to control the tempo. Um, I, I think this is going to be the game where you know where we could walk out and say, you know what, two and one at this point is exactly what we, what, you know, what what really should be. Ooh, In no, this scenario, I mean, they better the not, but, Students
1: came yeah. yeah. down the goalposts.
0: I, yeah, I mean, they they're so starved for a win. You never know.
1: <laughs> All right, Cratch, what do you got?
2: Uh, I will go with – I believe the line is currently at 7. I will go with Boston College 31, Rutgers wow. 17. Okay. Yeah, I, I look, I know, I know BC played poorly against Kansas. I just think at the end of the day, Boston College is going to score points uh, against Rutgers. I just don't think we've seen anything that proves that Rutgers can do that on offense against a quality opponent. I know BC – doesn't have a great pass rush. And, like, look, I'm s- certainly Rutgers should be able to win the football game. I just, I've seen nothing over the last, you know, year plus that indicates to me that they are going to be able to go into this game with so much pressure on, with with, with so many eyes on, such a critical game. And, and now this is going to be the moment that they put all together and deliver. I just have a hard time predicting that. So I think BC wins this game pretty comfortably by, you know, a couple of yeah, touchdowns.
1: I'm, I'm with you, Kratch. I think Rutgers is going to get destroyed. And I, I, and I, and look, I, I'm prepared to be wrong. I, I think the BC is going to score a lot of points. And I'm looking at like a, like a 41 17 kind of game. And, and then we'll know. There'll be clarity. Uh, we'll have, you know, we'll, be, everyone in the, uh, in Piscataway will have an idea what's going to happen next. I just do not. Uh, I think it's a bad matchup for them. I think Boston College has too much talent that they're going to they're move the ball up and down the field. I have seen nothing from the Rutgers passing game, especially if Art Sikowski stars, to make me think that they're going to have any success even against a bad defense. So there you go, one one piece of optimism and two curmudgeons, as always here on the podcast. Uh, That's all I got. Yeah, what do you guys I mean, got any you final know, thoughts?
0: Field hockey? Can we talk field hockey? They they, they won a big game at Mammoth. I mean, I mean, you know. <laughs>
1: You can talk field hockey. I'm not sure I'm capable of doing so.
2: <laughs> no, on, uh, no, total seriousness. Rutgers volleyball. Steve, you're oh, very familiar with them. No, One in ninety-nine thanks. column. They're on. They are yes. on a roll.
1: Nice. That's great. <laughs>
2: I'm pulling up. I'm pulling up the, the I information they lost right it in now. The game as we speak. Against
1: Grand Canyon, so I thought that must have been difficult playing at, at you know.
2: Is, uh, is so, Thunder Dan Marley still the head of basketball coach? <laughs> no, I, I, I
1: don't have the answer to that. No.
2: Oh. Rutgers women – go ahead, Sarge. Uh, Rutgers volleyball, 6-3, oh, wow. and three, six okay. straight wins. They have defeated – one, actually, I believe two tournaments. They they won the Rutgers Invitational. They okay. beat Princeton, Virginia, and Towson. And then they – at the Ellis Rowland Memorial Tournament hosted by Colgate, 3-0 wins over Colgate, wins over Colgate, Quinnipiac, and New Hampshire. So they're down in D.C. it looks like on yeah, Friday and Saturday to play American and Howard. Big Ten opener next Wednesday, September twenty-five. <laughs> I'll Jimmy I will him. say one the thing. Three. Three. I I actually did, uh, did right a, a
0: little breaking news for the uh, our, our tech sub- subscribers over the weekend. Um, you know, baseball. Um, is getting a, a facility upgraded. They're, they're getting, uh, new, new field turf. They're moving the fences in basically 15 feet, um, in, 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 in the left field corners. Center field, I think, goes in about, uh, 20 feet. It was the biggest park in a Big Ten, uh, 410 in center field. Now it's down to, uh, uh um, down to, to 390. Uh, they only hit uh, seven home runs, uh, combined, um, uh, a, a year ago uh, softball is also uh, getting a, a getting a facility uh, improvement uh, getting new fencing new field turf um, and both will be done by mid-october total cost 1.5 million dollars uh, a big gift by, by ron Baton, who whose name is on the baseball field as well uh, so good stuff happening just from a f- facility standpoint over baseball softball
1: Have, crotch, you forgot. What about Soriano? We didn't talk about Nick Soriano.
2: Oh, that's right. No, it's true. Yeah, we had that break last week. So Nick Soriano is in Olympic red redshirt, at least for the fall semester. He's not enrolled currently. Uh, he's going to train with his eye on, you know, trying to make the Olympic team in 2020. Obviously, the trials will be in early April at Penn State. You know, kind of ironically. So looks like Rutgers is going to have Soriano and Ashnal bidding to make the Olympic team along with you know, some of the NJRTC athletes. The big question going forward now is, will Nick sit out the whole year in red shirt and come back, uh, you know, for 2020, 2021 to finish out his college career? Will he re-enroll in, in December or January and kind of wrestle a limited schedule? Can, you know, it was, as I explained to you the other day, you know, he doesn't really have to wrestle until, it, until the big 10 championships here at Rutgers at, of March, you know, he can just, you know, make weight, show up, step on the mat, you know, wrestle one or two bouts, and then he, you know, he'll get the AQ spot, he'll be in the tournament, and then he can go to, you know, Minneapolis for nationals and try to win a national title. Um, So he could do that, and or maybe wrestle a handful of dual meets, you know, Kyle Snyder, the, the gold medalist, you know, three-time NCAA champ from... Ohio State, his final year in college, he wrestled kind of a limited college schedule where he was competing internationally and, and other events for Team USA, and then he would kind of be back for the big dual meets and obviously for the, the Big Tens and, and nationals. So it'd be interesting to see how Soriano approaches it, you know, or, you know, the idea that, you know, hey, if, if he has a big run in the Olympics, does he even come back to Rutgers? So does he move on to other things now that he's got his national title? So uh, it's it was always going to be a transition year for Rutgers wrestling. You know, they're kind of in a spot now where, you know, Ashnault is, is gone, Gravina's gone, Van bill has gone. They've got this very promising freshman class coming in, guys who are developing. Um, starting in 2020 2021, they could be a, a real national force, a team that competes for trophies, sends three or four guys to Nationals each year with a legitimate chance to All-American. Uh, this is always going to be a transition year, but if Nick doesn't wrestle, I think it becomes even more of a youth movement them and it's gonna be interesting to see because you know Rutgers the the fan base has grown so large over the last few years because there's been a lot of winning and a lot of excitement and I'm intrigued to see how the casual Rutgers wrestling fan handles a year where they're kind of 500-ish in dual meets and maybe they've got one real all-american threat at nationals uh you know I'm kind of intrigued to see how the 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 casual Rutgers wrestling fan handles Kind of a so-so season, you know. That's you know. Yeah, I hope you both make
1: it to Tokyo because I'm going and wrest- Olympic I, wrestling is great. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but it's great. I know that. So, all right, guys, let's let's sign off. That that's uh, that'll do it for this week's podcast.
2: Oh, Steve, one last thing. Oh, we, we are having our first yes, Rutgers yes. Sports Insider Project Text right. Meetup, seven to nine this Thursday, September nineteenth, Tavern on George, New Brunswick. Seven and nine PM, open for subscribers only. You can bring a plus I, one. I, I will um, pr- start to uh, Reserve, reserve the news. Bring a
0: plus one. Yes. Um, actually, it appears, but I will say this: we do have a special guest coming. Uh, some a big name. Okay, uh, Someone from that. the uh, Greg Ciano era, but someone who has stayed involved with the program. Um, it's a big name, and you know, I just like I said, I will, I will break the news on, on our Project Text uh,
1: subscribers. But it, it's, it's a big name, and Rutgers fans are going to enjoy him. Wow, Exciting. All Excellent. right, I Look forward to that. for tonight.
2: So anyway, RSVP to Project Tech. So if you are a Project Tech subscriber, send us a text. Let us know you're coming. And if you're not a subscriber but you'd like to come, go to nj.com slash tech, sign up,
1: and you will be it's invited It's free food, and you market. don't have to talk to me if you don't want to. Okay. Signing off, Steve Pulity, James Cratch, Keith Sargent. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Monday, next Tuesday, to recap the Boston College game. Thanks, guys. Bye.